Tim's kinda dumb, let's help him get smart. It's time to teach Tim stuff. Hey, welcome to Time to Teach Tim. Hola. Que paso, mi amigo? Muy bien, my friend. Long time. It's been a long, long time. Yes, you know? yes. Yeah. In my house today, I have a longtime friend, Char- Charles. Do you want me to use the last name? Yeah, go for it. Charles Potoff, uh, near and dear to my heart. Thank you so much for coming by and doing this. My pleasure, for sure. And what are you going to be teaching me today? So, I mean, we're going to do something that everybody should know. That's how to grow weed. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You are uh, well-versed, to say the least. (laughs) Yeah, through trials and tribulations. But yes, I've been doing it for about eight years now. Damn. It's uh, it's getting up there. Yeah, I guess it has been. Yep. Holy fuck. Doing it out in the great state of California. That I am, yep. Out there in the wilderness, living with the bears, <laughs> deers, and a bunch of bugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to be clear, you do it outdoors, no indoor. Yeah, so I, that's uh, partly true. So I do mostly outdoor. However, I do do um, what we call light deprivation, which is a greenhouse, for right. lack of better words. But uh, light depri- deprivation comes in for... Um, we manipulate the light. So when you have a greenhouse, you have the ability to change the photo period of the plant. So I do, that's like a halfway between outdoor and indoor. All right. Yeah. Like a hybrid grow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, like, what's the benefit in doing the light deprivation? Uh, you get a, you can harvest within three months, you know. Oh, so shit. what you do is uh, you just have your greenhouse and or I do it in a bed. Um, and uh, during the, uh, the for the rule of thumb is that you want to have, you know, during vegetative state, you want to have uh, an X amount of light. Um, we usually do 16 hours of light, 8 hours of darkness. Um, and that's during the veg. They grow. So we do that for two months, and then we change it. We flip it around. We give them about 12 to 12. We do 12 hours of dark, 12 hours of light. And the way they do that is by just literally covering the entire greenhouse with a uh, black tarp, you know, just uh. so there's no light can get into there. Yeah. So uh, that way we grow the plant for two months and then at the third month or i'm sorry we grow veg for about a month and then after that month we uh turn the lights off on them for the majority of the time or at least half the time and uh within two months we can harvest and uh it comes out good one of the benefits of doing that also is um when the sun hits a greenhouse it kind of disperses the light better over the canopy of the plants so you kind of uh, you put kind of pack them in real tight, and you can really right, get like yeah. a good canopy. Well, them you want to get for we have a thirty foot greenhouse. That's the the smallest one that we have, and you want to get about you know for each foot you want to get about a pound of plant or about a pound of foot. So oh all right yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous to me <laughs> that that amount at least. But I mean, it's like. You you run a pretty big scale operation. Yeah, well, as far as California go, we're small time still. You know, we do yeah. about three hundred plants in total. You know, for our outdoor and our and our depths, but um, we try to get between three hundred pounds, and that's again out there. That's small scale. We're talking. That's insane. It's that's really small. insane. <laughs> you know, it's 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 kind of like depressing because out in the wilderness there, you can walking around in this beautiful nature, and then you just see these giant greenhouses <laughs> as far as the eye can see. <laughs> but, yeah. You know. So where where is like start of the season what are you like getting into so it all depends where you personally want to start so when i was first out there i would clone do our own clones so that started all the way in january i would get 
you know, our own genetics from, you know, trusted and reliable sources. And that's like really key is to find the right genetics. And California has, you know, some pretty good genetics out there already for, <laughs> yeah. for decades now. So you usually get your uh, get your clones or your seed and you grow your moms. You know, you grow your, your, you know, how many plants you want. I usually did about 10 to 20. And then from those 10 or 20 plants, after about three months of growing them indoors, this is actually inside because yeah. it's during the winter, um, we uh, then start cloning them. And for about three months straight, I just clone, clone, clone all day long. And uh, then we'll have all of our, you know, from those 20 plants, I can turn them into, you know, 3,000 plus, maybe more, yeah. depending. And cloning is it's like taking a clip of the mm -hmm. plant yep. and then starting it on its own plant. Yep. Kind of. So what you know, I'll go over real quick. It's very, it's very simple. You know, it sounds difficult, but mm -hmm. once you do it once or twice, it's night or day. So you... Usually you want to take the, the, you know, the, the plant wants to be about maybe the size of your hand to, you know, if you're, if you open your fist up, you know, it's about yeah. the size of that. That's about the biggest you want a clone. So you cut that at a, uh, at like a 20 degree angle, cut that, scrape the Cambrian layer, which is just the skin. You just want to barely break, scrape the skin off. All right. And then you dip it in a rooting hormone. And then once you do that, you just stick it in a, uh, in a grow cube and you can usually do, we do trays of 50. And uh, then you just have to like let it sit in its own little environment. You close it, close it with a dome. I usually spray it twice a day with just water, not on the cube itself, but mist the top. You really want the plant, the leaves, to be absorbing the water. And after about 20 days or so, they start to grow their own roots. And huh. uh, yeah, man, nature is fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you, we this, in our latter years, I've been starting to buy clones. So like, I skipped the entire winter cloning process, and now I just buy clones from somebody else. Yeah. So it really does, saves you a lot of work. However, it's it's expensive, you know, to do it that way yeah. to buy clones. It's very expensive. So uh, if you have the time and the ability, it's you know, I really recommend people <laughs> to clone their own stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what, so like. Would you ha then, like in January, when you're starting the the mm -hmm. mother, you that's like starting a fresh plant, like that's yep. from seed. Yep. Well, you can either do seed or buy clones, just like just like starting clones, like one tray right. of clones. But you know, like you're taking fifty clones, or I did twenty, and I turn those twenty clones into three thousand or whatever it may All be, right. whatever the number may be. Right. Yep. So. The, the seeds is a little bit trickier because seeds tend to take a little bit longer before they uh, they show their sex. So if you're trying, the one good thing about cloning, if you clone a female plant, you're going to get a female clone. It's 100% uh, yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. Seeds, it's not guaranteed. So you have to, you, when I did seeds a few times and, uh, you know, you have to, for if you want one female plant, you put in three seeds and hope one of them turns out to be a female. Uh, yeah. So that's, and that's a whole nother whole nother realm yeah how how long does it take before you can be like yes this is a female and this is a male? like what is the difference so it, it usually takes it, it it could take i've seen it take you know three months before they've shown you oh, know shit. what and they then... what their what their sex is but um you know i've also seen it as soon as a month and you can tell usually by either the males will usually have um we call it three knuckles and it looks like three little like knuckles that come out the bottom of uh of the um of a shoot and that's the there's the seed podlings or the uh, the pollen podlings, and oh, then okay. the uh, the females will have what are called just pistils, and you'll see right where that where the branch splits, there'll be two little white hairs that come out, and once you see that, you're pretty confident that's female. Oh, yeah. 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 So then you got you got all your clones. 
Where, like, where do you start then to move towards the outdoors? Like, okay. is it from there, or is it still well, more? So we usually keep them in. We uh, set one of the greenhouses up, and we put them in there. And I try to keep them out there. It all depends with Mother Nature. You know, when you're growing outdoors, even in a greenhouse, you're going to have the ability to have it somewhat climate control but if that weather drops below you know 32 degrees you're gonna yeah. you know you have to run the risk of stunting your plants so april is usually like the earliest i like to do it i know um in the greenhouse and then they spend a good two months there and during the, like may is when i uh, start working on the soil and you know you really want to prepare your soil a good month yeah. or two before you put your plants in it let it cook before it gets uh so they're just dropping them right in the dirt. Yeah, yeah. we were talking about this a little bit last yeah. night, and this this was like blowing my mind how far the science of soil yes. has kind of come. Because yeah. like we were talking about fertilizers, and you're like, yeah, I mean, uh, if you have to use them, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, um, there's been a lot of now that you know we has become so acceptable. Um, a lot of smarty pants have been able to, you know, <laughs> apply their, uh, you know, methods have been used for a long time about soil health. But uh, it hasn't been until this year that I realized that even our conventional food farmers aren't really hip to soil health. You know, it's just pump it full of, you know, um, uh, petroleum, salt-rich chemicals and yeah. till your ground, turn every – the season's done, just turn it up, dig it up, and yeah. then just do it again. And that's kind of a problem, you know, it creates an environmental problem. Yeah. We have a lot of runoff. Uh, the, the soil turns to dirt, not so much like, uh, yeah. not soil. Because like, you mean like all the nutrients and the, yeah. the good stuff. And it gets that, especially like we learned this a while ago, and I'm shocked that we still do this as a country. But like you grow corn in the same place year and year, yeah. year after year. The corn, say it needs zinc. Yeah. Well, eventually it's going to deplete that soil of all the zinc. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not taking care of that soil and adding back into it. Yeah. And the nitrogen, you know, the nitrogen is a big thing. You know, we use 10 times the amount of nitrogen it used to take to grow food 20 years ago. And the reason that is, you know, we're just loading this soil up with nitrogen and eventually it uh, it locks itself out. You know, you can, this, yeah. the plants are not able to absorb all the necessary nutrients it yeah. needs. And you were, you were telling me about the mycelium? Yes, mycelium. This, this was blowing <laughs> my mind. If you want to go, you had a great analogy of how it's like the gut of the soil. Yeah, yeah. So mycelium is is amazing. And, I, and again, you know, when I first started out there, I didn't even know really, besides what the mushrooms that are popping out of dead wood and stuff, what they are, yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, but um, under our feet, you know, in the soil, there's a mycelial network. And this works as uh, kind of like the, um, it helps break everything down in the soil. But it also provides uh, like a, a communication network between the plants of different species, you know, as, as far as trees go. Uh, you know, if you have a pine tree and an oak tree, and at one time during the year, you know, the... Uh, the, uh, the oak tree no longer needs, for lack of, you know, we'll just say, it uh, doesn't need as much, um, I don't know, magnesium. But the pine tree needs that. It can produce or it can uh, give some of the magnesium that the pine tree has or the oak tree has and give it to the pine by the mycelial network. It can pass it yeah. through this. 
and it's a, it's a communication network, <laughs> which is a, which is a real trip, you know, because yeah. it's underneath our feet and it's literally everywhere. You go in your backyard and where there's stuff growing, you dig underneath yeah. it. There's mycelium. M- m- most likely, there's mycelium yeah. there with it. And you were saying too that like like modern farming kind of depletes that that soil yes. of the mycelium. Yes. So like when you were saying that you were learning how to use and how to feed the mycelium and how to you know get it into the, your soil that you're having like an extra three feet yeah, on all yeah, these yeah. plants. Yeah, it's, it's the, the difference is so noticeable. And you're really feeding what's called what are the, the microorganisms um, that are in your soil. And um, these microorganisms, there's, there's millions of them. And we pick up you know, a handful of dirt, there's more you know, microorganisms in that handful than you know, there are people in South Amboy for sure, <laughs> probably in the United States. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, so like the with the microorganisms, you really need to uh, you understand that when you use these heavy salt-based chemicals, the microorganisms can't survive in that that environment, and they don't necessarily die, but they leave. They're living organisms, and they yeah. go find where it is nutrient-rich for what they need. Um, so when you have your nutrients or your um, like for example your nitrogen in your water, the water that you feed your plants. Uh, you're kind of hurting your uh, your microorganisms. You know they're not going to be able to absorb any of that. So what you really want to do is give your soil what it needs, what the microorganisms need. They absorb the nutrients, excrete it, which is like sweat or poop, whichever you want to call it. They yeah. they uh, put it into the soil, and the mycelium then abstract. It takes that, takes the nutrients from that, and they provide it to the plants. They either plant roots themselves take it, and that's when you have like a real rich, you know, soil that the yeah. plants can survive from. Yeah, you're telling me it's kind of like the, your gut biome? Yeah. Where it's like not, it's not really our stomach that digests everything, but it's right. the bacteria in exactly. the stomach. So then we can absorb. It's kind of cool to think of how, like, soil, in my mind, is just there. Like, it's just, a thing, but it's this entire network it that is. is, I mean, I, it's, kind of blows my mind that plants can communicate with each other through something that's not even them like yeah (laughs) (laughs) totally totally and you know when you look at you know a forest of trees you know you always think it's like no they're they're trees there's not much going on but underneath the ground there's this huge highway of you know communication (laughs) going on and all any time of the day yeah this is a wild socialist network (laughs) of fungus (laughs) totally yep yep Here's a tr- little side story trip that I just found. There's um, there's a lot of great books and documentaries that have come out in the past, you know, ten years that are, are touching all this stuff. And um, this I'm I'm never going to remember her name, but um, she was a doctor, uh, a scientist that was out in Washington, I believe. And um, what she had essentially found out and discovered was that uh, trees have like parent trees. There's a, you know a, an oak tree, for example will drop its seeds and specific trees will also sprout up. Now that mother tree will provide all of her babies the proper nutrients that need through the mycelium. So there's literally trees that are taking (laughs) care of smaller trees. (laughs) I remember, so me and you lived together for a while. I remember we, we watched this documentary about like 
there'd be like one cabbage and another cabbage. And the <laughs> yeah. people would come and like yell at the one cabbage <laughs> and treat the other cabbage yeah. nice. And like the cabbage that was treated nice actually like thrived. Yeah. I mean, I thought I was like, oh, this is hippy dippy. But like, I, I do believe that there's a lot more going on with plants than For we sure. have any idea. For sure. You know, the, the hippies kind of give things a bad name, and I guess I'm one of them too, because, you know, you're like, oh, it's old, it's old, fairies and butterflies. <laughs> but there's there's a lot of truth behind it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, when I'm in my garden, you know, I like to talk to the plants too, and, I mean, they, I, I do believe that, you know, they take that, uh, they take that emotion, they can pick up on human emotion, and whether yeah. it be a negative or positive energy that, it, you know, affects it one way or the other yeah well have this year do you think the the weed is growing so strong because it's like humans need us yeah. <laughs> totally <laughs> <laughs> they're like we're getting to get these people back on track <laughs> yeah, oh, man. yeah. Um, so like uh so soil's prepared you got your clones mm -hmm. Is there anything special you do, like transfer-wise? Um, well, I usually try to do it uh, all by the light, by the sunlight, by the time of day. So, um, you know, I try to put my plants in by June 20th. That, you know, that's more or less, that's like when you can start putting them outside. Yeah. And uh, some people do it earlier. I know people that put them out in May. And it's really like once the days start getting longer, the plant will notice that it's you know the days are growing so they can stay in their vegetative state you really don't want to put them outside unless they have at least 14 hours of sunlight you know that's that's right, my rule yeah. song because any less than that you have the potential of them starting to bloom early and okay. if they bloom and then the light goes greater they will go out of bloom and that kind of messes up the whole grow period uh, yeah it, it, it's really confusing and then if you're doing seeds and that happens you have the real run the real risk of um, the plant hermaphroditing which i've had happen where yeah, if you stress yeah, yeah. you know you could be a female through the whole growing process and then through stress or something whatever may happen that plant you know all of a sudden you see one branch has seeds growing off of it and once you get seeds uh, or not seeds, but the seed, po the um, pollen podlings. And once you see yeah. the pollen podlings, you know that plant's pretty much going to get seeded, and it could seed plants for miles around. Yeah, if, and given... that would ruin the yeah. whole. Yeah, I mean, then you don't, then you don't have. I mean, people back in the day used to smoke bud filled with seeds all the time. There's yeah. nothing other, but now we know that we can do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I can't the, the pop in a joint. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, that weird, weird, weird taste. You're oh like, oh, I know God. what that is. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like, uh, so I like I stopped smoking for a mm -hmm. while, and then like weed had evolved into vapes and this and that but like what really shocked me is even like a low percentage weed how destroyed it would get me <laughs> like it, it it's almost like thc content wasn't even an issue it was like uh it's just i don't it's just better <laughs> i don't yeah. know yeah yeah no no totally and you know i mean that, like I was saying before, you know, the right genetics is really, you know, the, where you need this, it's key to start off with good genetics. And they're really good genetics now, you know. Yeah. And the studies that are coming out and the research that's being done with not just THC or CBD, but this wide array of cannabinoids. So we don't even scratch the surface. So the better the soils get, the better, you know, these genetics get. We're really going to find out that, you know, it's not just THC that's helping us out. It's this, you know, this collection of cannabinoids yeah. together. Yeah. And that's that's another thing too, like with the evolution of CBD, and 
I, I really hope hemp makes a big yeah. comeback because there's just a million benefits to just hemp. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It like blows my mind that we don't use it a lot more. Yeah, totally. Especially now with legalization coming around. And... Yeah. And I mean, that's such a diverse hemp itself. Like the fibers of a hemp plant are just such a, you can use that for damn near anything. Yeah. Clothing, paper, the whole nine, you know. Yeah, prevention of landslides. Yeah, you know, throw yep. a couple of plants in these, these cliffed areas. The the root network of a marijuana plant is so diverse. It's so large. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for lack of better words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you could, and it holds the soil together. That's the big thing, you know, to to prevent, um, you know, erosion. You know, you can have a living root in your soil at all times is a great thing. And a lot yeah. of people now are doing what's called cover cropping. So, you know, when you're done with the season, you don't just like, you, we, we usually take the one root ball, the big solid where the stalk comes out of the ground, just take that out, but you yeah. just leave the rest and then put some sort of uh, clover or anything on just to get some sort of root staying in there. And that holds all those micronutrients in there. They stick around, they hang out for the entire winter. The mycelia is probably yep, exactly. healthier than, yeah. And, and, you know, I used to, when I was out there first, I used to, at the end of the year, I'd go in there and I would till every hole or every pot that I would have, you know, a plant in. And unfortunately, I didn't find out until later that that's, you know, not really necessarily a good, good thing because you're ripping up your mycelial network. Uh, you're just destroying it. And then it has to rework itself and it takes time to do that. Yeah. So if you just let, you know, you could let your soil go for five years and never have to rip it up once. And you're just going to have such a rich soil of micronutrients and mycelium together yeah. so that's that's the way of the future you know yeah. no till <laughs> <laughs> well that's what i always thought was funny there's um what are those the um, truffles yes so like we, we i always use this as an example as how not smart we are because <laughs> no one has been able to grow truffles is mushroom that everybody loves I, don't, I can't even think of what the taste is but we can't figure out how to grow it in or replicate it even, right right in a yeah. controlled environment yeah it just it blows my mind that people back in whatever 3000 bc were able to like figure out agriculture yeah <laughs> totally you know? And then it, then we came along and we're slowly ruining it. But then now we're figuring it out <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah. yeah, you know, I always think that you know, when looking at it, it seems that we're just a we're just a big populated planet, you know, and we just try to make things happen as fast and quick and in the yeah. biggest scale we can, you know. Yeah. And I think we're kind of we're like, well, maybe it's not the best way to go about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you look at to take the the mycelia network where it's like. Oh, well, you know, over here we're lacking magnesium. Maybe we need to supply a little more. So you can't, I'm sorry, you can't grow as as tall today, but this plant is going to grow the equal tall. I don't know. Maybe I'm a, I'm a socialist. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I love capitalism, Mr. Uh, oh, by, Biden. Biden. Biden's the president. <laughs> <laughs> don't wake him up. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, so so much more goes into growing than just growing. Yeah, right. Yep, like, yep. I mean, you're, I mean, you're pretty much out in those woods for months on end. Yep. You know, the season. You like to, so, you know, I'm, right now I'm usually doing from April 
till you know this year I harvested. I harvested early because we had a storm come in and I had to get it out of the ground. But that's uh was mid October, and then the drying and curing period is about another month. Another month after that, so yeah. you know it's a it's a good part, portion of the year. Yeah, goodbye yeah. summers. <laughs> <laughs> And then you're, for the most part, you're like pretty much alone out there. Yeah, just... you know, I, I've been, you know, I have a friend, I won't mention his name or anything, but he, uh, you know, he's uh, he was one that took me in when I first went out there and uh, worked under his wing for a couple of years. And now I'm by myself, you know, he goes and does his own thing and he lets me run the show and I get yeah. to, you know, play in the dirt by myself. <laughs> um, is it is it rough? Like just, I mean, I... The, the book that comes to my mind, you ever read uh, Desolation Angels? No, I uh, haven't. So it's um, it's Kerouac. Okay. Pretty okay. much he goes out. They used to hire people to sit in the fire towers. Oh, right. California. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. And he goes out there and you sit for the entire season. It's like four or five months. And like the whole, like you realize you're reading like chapter five. Chap and he's like on the second day. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like going crazy. And then it's him coming back to society, and there's like a, a transfer period where he's like, when he was out there, he wished he was in society, but then when he comes back to society, he wished he was there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's me romanticizing what you do. No, but. you know it, that's that's pretty spot on. You know because you, you, I mean you knew me back in the day, and used to be a pretty social person, <laughs> yeah. and now you know I'm out in the woods for so long on end. You know, got a dog and a cat that to hang out with, and that's about it. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, when I go back into society, I'm like, oh, here we go. And as soon as I get in, they're like, oh, man, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people are still people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, you know, it, it now, again, because we've become so accepted, a lot of most big grows are now closer to, like, society and are, like, in town. And especially if they're doing it indoors, you know, these huge factories and stuff right in the yeah. middle of cities or whatever. Um, I'm kind of doing it the old school way, out in the middle of the woods, middle of nowhere. A lot of that has to do with, you know, the uh, <laughs> the farm wasn't necessarily completely legal <laughs> for the for the longest time. So that's mainly why people did it where it is. But um, I love it. I really do. You know, it holds a part of my that mountain that I live on. It holds a part of my heart. Yeah. Had a couple close calls last year. Had the the uh, the wildfires come through. Not this past year. The year before. Uh, two, was, that was 2020. Yeah, we were on that August complex, and oh my god, that was a that was a nightmare. Yeah, that that was uh, that was sleeping with your boots on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can only imagine. Like, it it blows my mind. Like how close to because like out here like we don't really get fires like it's not yeah. like the climate <laughs> where we're getting fires we we had like a brush fire in like the cattails of lawrence harbor once <laughs> and like south amboy was like uh we were like in the fog yeah <laughs> like, yeah 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 i can only imagine out there just like seeing like smoke roll across a hill and just like Oh my uh, god! My well, it was, entire year. <laughs> it was it, it, well. It was crazy, you know. Like I, I stayed behind. You know, they evacuated everybody from our area, but um, if you don't leave, you don't. They can't really force you to. And I mean, don't I'm, I, I don't suggest anybody like avoid an evacuation <laughs> during a forest fire. But if I had left, you know, the crop would have been done. You know, and yeah. uh, it was every day walk, walking, waking up and shaking. It was like it's snowing out with ash, and they're just shaking the plants clear of oh. ash. And when that fire first came through, it was I was outside at eleven o'clock in the morning, and it was pitch black 
there was so much smoke wow. yeah it was it was a pretty wild Jesus. thing yeah how did it came pretty close <laughs> so man it came up uh i was the fire that i was involved in was the uh, august complex and it was actually three fires that combined and it made what they now i guess call this is, this was never happened before in california <laughs> a giga fire which is over a million <laughs> acres and um 5g damn it <laughs> <laughs> totally but uh man this fire came right up to our road and god bless the uh the um cal fire and the volunteer firefighters out there because they made a line and unfortunately a lot of neighbors of mine and a lot of close people they lost everything homes uh, gardens animals uh, it, it came through fast uh yeah. I'll give you, I guess I'll give you a quick little story about what happened is, so in the Yola Boy Mountains, which is Mendocino National Forest, there was a part of this August complex was there and it was uh, cresting over this one mountain ridge. And once it came over this ridge, it would be into territory where people lived. And it's essentially where I am at. And uh, it was about 15 miles away where this fire was. And uh, Cal Fire, they made a little bit of a boo-boo and they... uh, they did a back burn and what a back burn is is you try to burn the back side of a mountain so when the fire reaches the top on the other side there's no fuel left for yeah. it and it kind of will putter out well unfortunately the fire is unpredictable and it created its own weather and the wind had changed as they were doing the back burn and their back burn went the other way uh, and uh the wind picked up so bad that within uh i think it was the the hardest the hottest part of the fire went i think that was those 15 miles it took about something ridiculous like 22 minutes to go 15 miles and then it's already on people's doorsteps yeah. and you have no Jesus no time Christ. no time to do anything you got to get up and go and i stayed behind you know me and a couple other neighbors we stayed behind had all of our you know all the water we could find to to fight it if it came to the doorstep yeah but uh but cal fire came in they these they they worked through the night you know 24 hours a day yeah. they just shift after shift just people on bulldozers guys making fire lines and they were able to stop it before it passed our road so yeah. we were we were really lucky all the weed smelled like smoke and we had a lot of ash <laughs> and it was a lot of work but you know a lot of people lost everything so yeah. i'm grateful for that yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hearing some of the stories that come out of there, like, about Cal Fire is, like, mind-blowing. Yeah. And then, like, so uh, this 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 episode has a lot of, like, overlaps with Radiolab. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, uh, the Mycelia, I think Radiolab mm-hmm. did an episode on it. And then they also did an episode about controlled burns. Okay. And they were doing these controlled burns to save one species of finch. Okay. And then it ended up happening where one of the firemen who was doing the control burn, he died in the control oh, burn. Oh, man. And then, like, the, the whole story leading up to it, they do this so great where you're like, we need to save this bird. And then this guy dies. And then they're like, oh, yeah, and it's one of, like, a million species of finches. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, is the the life of one person where the the fin yeah I mean, this is just a plug for radio lab now at this point <laughs> but uh, like they need it but uh it it it's i just was thinking of that because of how scary that situation must have been yeah. and that's something that they did a good job of explaining that like yeah you hear about these fires but unless you're there you can't possibly yeah. imagine i'll show you some videos and pictures later on you know i'll show you how close it came and i would take my truck out to the end of the road to like i would just go every morning to see where it was at physically yeah. and um 
there's some points when that wind kicks up, man, though we were talking hundred foot wave, like hundred foot um, flames well Jeez, above the trees. And right. these are giant pine trees and fir yeah. trees out there. Yeah. And out there, I mean, you talk about fuel. Oh I my mean, God. One of those trees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's been so dry. You know, this year we were, we were sweating bullets this year. Thankfully there was no fires in our area. Of course, the state always gets hit every year. It's just yeah. a thing now. It's, it's how we, <laughs> this is just the way things are now. <laughs> but, um, uh, we were lucky um, that we didn't get any fires this year, but I w- it, we were sweating bullets. It's so dry in California. The lakes are at like 10% full. It was just a just a severe drought. So it's a tinderbox. Yeah. And it's unfortunately like the the one week that I was at, or the, I guess I've been out there two weeks in my life. Uh, I forgot about the other trip. <laughs> but like it, the what the weather's gorgeous and the people were telling me like oh this is the worst week of the year and i was like what are you talking it's march i'm in a t-shirt yeah it rained this morning but it's great yeah. now and people are like oh yeah we had rain <laughs> <laughs> what is this stuff <laughs> yeah well you know it, it, that's that's funny because one of the good things about california is that it is dry and like you can grow weed and rain. It's just like any other plant. It gets rained on. It's not a big deal. But if it's a constant humidity and like high humidity areas, you really run the risk of getting mold, um, powder mil- powdery uh, mildew, yeah. which you have to fight off consistently. Once you get it, you yeah, got yeah. it. You just have to continuously back it off. Yeah. Um, so that's the, the silver lining in the dark cloud is, you know, if it's dry, as long as you have the water to provide the plant, you know, the yeah. soil with, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a nice thing. Now, is, uh, is water quality an issue? Yes. Now, water quality is a huge issue. Um, and we do it uh, nice. We have a pond, and it's rain and snow-fed pond. And, um, oh, nice. So we have all natural, you know, natural water. And uh, we also have fish in there. We got catfish and goldfish. So we like to – that's like a lot of them too. And it's good because, they, you know, they poop in the water, and that gives the, give it a little extra kick. But um, <laughs> as far as water, you know, a lot of people doing personal grows indoor, a big mistake that they use is they just use water right from the tap. And water from the tap in any city water is filled with chlorine, fluoride, all these different things. Who knows yeah. what the, what's in there? And for us, it might not affect us that much. Some people say it does. And, you know, that's a different debate. But <laughs> uh, but um, the plants the plants notice it. And, yeah. you know, especially the chlorine is the big thing. You know, you're feeding your plant constant chlorine. It's going to mess it up. It's yeah. not going to have like. Yeah, you know, that's li- literally the point of chlorine is to prevent things from growing. <laughs> in <it>. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Like, totally. That's what, when uh, I would work at like frog we'd fill the pool and it'd be this green weird color <laughs> and then we do the first round of chlorine shock and then the next day it's like it's clear yeah, as could like, be. what the hell just happened <laughs> yeah. and my skin burns too yeah, yeah. <laughs> but which um, actually is a great cure for uh poison ivy also oh chlorine, chlorine. you just go jump in the pool huh it dries your skin out yeah, yeah. yeah i mean the oil might transfer to other people but, <laughs> but <yeah. laughs> uh, frog hollow is a big enough pool <laughs> i had i had poison ivy so bad one year on the inside of both of my calves and i took one of those five gallon water jugs and mm-hmm. i put like half a scoop of chlorine in there filled oh man <laughs> I, I mean this is was it was to the point where like the the blisters had blisters on yeah them. yep yeah it was i soaked it in there for about like 20 minutes to the point that i couldn't take it anymore 
and I washed off my legs, and like two days later, nothing. it was gone. Yeah, there it is. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a cure all for poison oak. Then better <laughs> than any ivy dry hydrochloric <laughs> yeah, yeah. hydro whatever that is. Uh, yeah, it was is fucking perfect. <laughs> but uh, I don't recommend doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right. So we got water. Yep. We get. And I guess Plans. real quick for, for for the water, you know, the, the the main thing in water is you want to make sure the pH is proper. Um, you know, plants like cannabis kind of prefers a little bit of an acidic, more acidic. So you know, you um, seven is your base. You know, you know, seven is is even. Um, yeah. And uh, cannabis usually likes between six six point five pH. You know, I've had it a little bit higher than that, and it's been fine. But the reason when you want the proper pH is um, the the plant will only absorb nutrients given the proper pH of the soil and the water. So it's really important to make sure that your, your pH is right. So you can give it all the nutrients you want. You can, you know, give, you know, add your micronutrients, all the nutrients they need, but the plant will never absorb it if the water's, the pH is, you know, unbalanced. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I, I, I never would have thought soil pH was a thing too. Yes. Yep. It definitely is, you know. And uh, what I do now is I actually test my water and my soil together so you put run your water through your soil and then test the water that comes out of it it's kind of a difficult thing to do but there's like little tricks you can you know to make it easier and that's when you really then you really know what's going on you know so let's say we're coming end of the season which was you said october this Mm -hmm. year yep now what what goes in from October, the plant's ready to December. We want it on a shelf. Okay, so um, we do it. There, there's ways to do it fast and sloppy, and ways to do it clean right. and proper. Let's do so clean and proper. Clean and proper. <laughs> so, one um, we do it the old school way too is we have hand trimmers. So what we do is we'll I'll still back up a little bit. So we yeah. harvest and. Uh, Normally, you know, when the plant's ready, the plant will tell you, and we can get into that a little bit later on about when you know the plant's ready. And you, you, I tell by the uh, the color of the trichromes. You know, when the trichrome is uh, nice is and milky, the little the little little crystal little, yep, looking the little crystal things that look like little mushroom clouds on yeah. the plant. And you need to get yourself if you're going to grow cannabis. I say you definitely need to get yourself a good like. Um, jeweler's magnifying glass or something like that and really get in there and see what's going on and the trichromes will tell you exactly what's going on when they're clear you look at those crystals and they're clear it's not ready you know that there's that those uh trichromes don't have the proper amount of cannabinoids and it's mostly chlorophyll which is not going to get you high or have any like beneficial effects it's going to burn your throat most likely um but once they got milky like a glass of milk cloudy then you know that it's pretty prime time to take it. Um, some people tend to leave it go a little bit longer, myself included, where they start to amber. The top of the trichome will start to amber. And now what's happening, what's happening there is the uh, THC is now degrading to another cannabinoid called CBN. And CBN has its own benefits, but that's what gives you more of like a heavy, like weighted high. So right. if you let it go, you let your plants go a little bit longer, they're probably going to get a heavier high. And the more amber that your trichromes are, you're going to get a good sign that that's going to happen. Huh. So I usually wait from the just be milky. I usually do 40% milky, you know, and then yeah. uh, that's usually when I go for it. Yeah. So, for, all right, we're 40%. 
is there a special way that, you, or do you just hack them? Yeah, you just you, you know there, there there's there's ways. It depends on what your drawing system is, and our drawing system is just um, we just have big long uh, beach of trellis netting hanging from a ceiling in a in a, in a barn. And you want to really, it has to be dry in there, and you really want to control the humidity. So a big solid box, big wood <laughs> barn is a, is, a, is a great place to do yeah. it. Um, one that you can vent as well, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we just, so what I normally do is, you know, you want to cut the plant off in, like, branches that are, rule of thumb is I try to do no bigger than the length of my arm. You know, branch that's no bigger than the length of my arm. And then you can hang them out and disperse it nice enough. And you want that stem, a good amount of stem on the plant while it's drying because there's still nutrients in that stem. And even though the plant is, it's off the plant, the bud is going to actually absorb those nutrients. And when it dries, it's going to, you know, it's going to have that extra time to take it out of the stem. Yeah. And when you know, and that's the stem will tell you when the plant's ready to, uh, when it's dry, you know, you can feel the bud and the branch is still bendy if you can't snap it if it's still like wet you put that into like a tote or like a container to ready to be trimmed or whatnot or to be cured rather mm -hmm. um and next morning you wake up and it's like it's soaking wet you know the bud's like super sticky and super super moist yeah so you really have to wait the, the branch will tell you when it's time to uh time to cut it down right. so we're, so we have the plant drying then we know like it took us a long time because this year you really want to dry it for not too much more than two weeks two weeks is like too much already All a right. good a good a good time period is like five to seven days and that's like that's pristine the real good guys the real good growers out there the top-notch dudes they uh have you know places where they can dry and they can control like the pressure of the room the humidity and you, you kind of want to dry it fast like put a lot of air on it in the first day and then pull the air back and just keep the air circulating, not so much blowing onto the weed. And that's like a good, and then you can manipulate the pressure. And once you do that, you can really dial it in to get a, a perfectly dried bud. Yeah. And after that, you cut it down, put it into a tote, and uh, I let it sit for like another five days. And every day, I what I call burp it. I just open it up, let the old air get out, turn the weed inside, close it up. And after five days, it's time to be clean. And that's the next process and that's uh that's when you hire you know people you can do it yourself but you know, on an operation this big if you want to get it done in any timely <laughs> fashion you kind of need to get help yeah and um, that's the whole trim scene that's going on out there and you know there's a lot of a lot of people that's kind of how i started you know i went out there looking for you know trim work just to get my foot in the door yeah and you know it was uh it did it worked worked for me <laughs> Now I've heard that trimming is like literally the the hardest, like uh, physical kind of because it's you're pretty much you have to be very exact, exact and precise. Yeah. But also like there's a lot to trim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be a good balance between speed and you know technique, yeah. and um, we that's why we don't really hire rookies anymore <laughs> but uh but no you know you, you get a good group of people and the, the guys that we got working for us they they're, they're pretty dialed in and you know they know what we're looking for and they they got a good speed going but you know back in the day it used to be two hundred dollars a pound for every pound you trim you get two hundred dollars but because the price of wheat has dropped so much that there, nobody can pay that anymore so mm -hmm. real time is about ten percent of whatever you sell 
the the pound for is 10% of that goes to the trimmer. So we're giving about $100 a pound. And for that $100 to do a pound, a good trimmer could do about two pounds a day. You know, nice pounds. There's people that do three, four. And, of course, it also depends on the quality of the weed. You know, some weed is easier to trim than others. You know, normally the bigger the bud, the easier to trim because it holds more weight. Uh Yada, yada, yada. But um, that's a... If you think about it, a ten-hour day for a hundred bucks, you know, yeah. is, is it worth it? <laughs> some say yes, some say no. It all like, depends. Especially <laughs> like, there's also like, whenever you're 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 doing work that's marijuana related, it's kind of like nice. It's kind of yeah. like in modern times because we're all still old enough to wear like. Or young enough, or like we would have gotten arrested at, at any point <laughs> totally. for just having anything yeah. on us. Oh my god! Yep. Yeah, I remember sweating bullets just you know having like a gram in your car. <laughs> Every time you see a car, you cop, you know your yep. heart drops. <laughs> yep. But now, like uh, the other day, like I, I walked into Target with my weed pen, and I like I thought it was my my jewel, and I pulled it out. I was like. Oh, oops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was just like, whatever. Like, <laughs> totally. Like, sorry, I'm inside. But <laughs> yeah. 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 It's so weird now. Now, like, as far as, like, the... the you were talking about, like, regulations, like, government regulations mm-hmm. kind of really stepping in and taking a good amount of the profit that used to be in weed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, right now, you know, it's, it's state governments, obviously. The yeah. federal government is eventually going to stick their finger in there, and who knows what that's going to look yeah. like. But, um, you know, if it's, I can speak for California because I'm out there. And, um, you know, the sales tax on, on weed is pretty ridiculous. You know, like, if you're going to sell an eighth for 30 bucks the store's got to sell for 50 because there's a 30 percent you know tax on it um and uh there's also like a there's this track and trace thing and i and i gotta say this is is if we're gonna go legitimate with it 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 is a good way to make sure you're getting a clean product and you know exactly what you're getting which i'm I'm all about that um you can trust people and you can trust the hippies but again you know to actually have someone regulate it it's a it's, it's a good thing, but um, some of the regulations are a little bit obscure, and uh, I don't think they have it really dialed in right now. And they, uh, it's kind of uh, pushing a lot of the smaller guys out. You know, um, you need to have a f- small fortune in order to be compliant in California. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the what that, what that opened the door for is a lot of people that had the money, not necessarily the know-how, had to grow. So there's a lot of growers out there that are producing less than them. You know, you know lesser quality ganja and uh kind of flooding the market with it bringing the price real down and that quality that was california used to be known for it's there but you have to go look for it now yeah yeah to where it's almost like uh like boutique yes yeah like uh because i can remember being in in the shop and like there's fancy packaging like anything else where i'm just like ooh, that looks cool and the guy being like yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. No, like that's not <laughs> what you want. Like, yeah, he's like, yes, that is. But you, what you want is out of this jar that I yeah. have because yeah. this is the. And I was like, all right. Yeah, but the, the the track and trace thing, it's um, you know, say you're a legal farm 
and you have, you know, whoever comes in to, you know, test your product, they have to know, you know, exactly how many plants you have, what are you, what are you uh, shooting for, what's your goal, what did you actually get, and um, once they have that, you know, you can't, you can sell it to a dispensary, but what you don't sell, you pretty much, you know, lose, and uh, there's a little sketchy stuff going on there now. Like you're supposed to, I think the law is that you can compost whatever you didn't sell from the year before. You can compost once you put new plants into the ground. So what guys are doing is they're saying they're composting, but it's kind of hard to tell what's in a big compost pile. Yeah. So then they're taking that stuff and they're selling it on the black market. And yeah. that's like a little sketchy business. Because this past year, California actually put, um, the state gave uh, growers that had uh you know, a bad year, uh, subsidies, state subsidies. Oh, wow. And they're like, they paid for their crop, even though they failed, you know? Yeah. And then those guys are taking that failed crop and selling on the black market. And it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, there's, there's some stuff that's, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what's surprising too. When you go out to California, like we were, at, uh, Santa Monica. It's just van after van of people living along that, yeah. what a, whatever that road is. And you just walk down, and people are like, "I got a pound for two hundred or whatever." Yeah. Like, and they're like, "How are you still selling weed?" And like, someone explained to me that like, black market is still huge. Yeah. Yep. Because of the cost that goes into the government regulate. Yeah, you yeah. have no clue what you're buying. Yeah. Yeah. And God only knows how it was grown. Exactly. If it's actually even weed because you can just spray it stuff with like that K two. Yeah. Fucking chemical. Oh my god. And, yep. Yeah, so I I have no qualms paying for regulated <laughs> marijuana yeah. at all. And in fact, like most of that stuff that I it's cleaner high. Yeah, you can tell the difference for yeah. sure. Because yeah. like I I'm a big fan of the carts, just convenience wise, mm -hmm. they don't smell, so it's. But I've gotten carts that I could tell were not commercially yeah. produced, right? And like. Especially like halfway through it, you're like, Ugh, I'm just gonna throw it out. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such a difference. Totally. Well, you know, that's that's another. That's just one bad thing about the popularity we now is that there's a lot of like bogus stuff out there. You yeah. know, there's and I know extraction is a big thing now. You know, the concentrates and yeah. um, I know uh, I've just learned how to do it myself. You can you know extract terpenes, the the smells of weed and the flavors of weed. You can you know I think there's nine maybe 12 essential terp terpenes on the terpene scale and they uh you can take these out and make them into like an oil and i know people are having dirt weed and dropping these liquid terpenes in there to make it smell better and uh you know it's a lot of little things like yeah. that that are happening and i yeah. when we were growing up i remember that, that was not that wasn't even a thing yeah no no i mean i can remember getting beat on bum weed yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally but n mostly for the most part like weed is such a thing where you look and smell and you know yeah but yeah. like now with all that like I'm trying I to trick you <laughs> yeah yeah that's why like um i'm a big fan out here of all like like rhode island's medical like mm -hmm. i feel like they have a very good pricing system and also they have i don't know anything about their regulations but their percentage and milligram on edibles like i feel like it's very accurate all the right. time right i've never taken a 10 milligram 
I'm like, this is great. And then the next day I take a 10 milligram and I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah. Where like I find like a lot of other stuff like Pennsylvania or like even the New Jersey legal stuff is fucking wildly inaccurate as far yeah. as what a milligram means. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Because like, that's why I, I love out here, like um, big ups to NJ Weed, man. I was talking to you about yeah. him. He's... It's got this great shop that's not only does it take the fear and craziness out of still buying weed, although I've never been, I haven't been scared to buy weed in like four years. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, like, he feeds it back into the community. And I really hope that NJ New Jersey as a government takes a look at what he does. Yeah. Cause, like, he's, he's amazing. Like, the comedy show I went. <laughs> we did a comedy show there. I got paid fifty dollars and like uh, a quarter of weed. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> You're like perfect. I'll yeah. come back again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted, there was four people at the show, but <laughs> yeah. But also, like, it was super good. It was, like high quality the yeah. edibles that they produce. Like they yeah. have like a gourmet baker that comes in, so like, nice. they're delicious. And he's been doing it long enough where he knows. Yeah. When I make it with this weed, it's going to produce this amount of high. I can equate it to 10 milligrams. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right. You know, that, that that's awesome that there's, you know, people are coming out of the woodworks these days that really have, like, you know, it dialed in. Yeah. And I hope they, they, they can maintain the, uh, you know, the threshold on the whole market, you know. And this is, uh, you know, I, I hate to see it go into, like, this, you know, big you know cannabis industry that's gonna leave the little guy out on the yeah. street but it's also it's gonna take the compassion out of it there's it always absolutely. kind of been a thing with with weed like like you never like buying weed from somebody who doesn't want you to have a good time yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like yeah. weed is like this unique drug where like if you sell it chances are it's because you love getting high you love getting high yeah. with people you just want them to go get high and have a good time yeah. but like it, it's like un unlike any other product in yeah, that manner for sure for sure any any other stimulant you know for that matter yeah. you know yeah and um yeah it's kind of one of the reasons why i'm into it you know like you know there's uh there's a part of me that really takes pride in doing that it is a medicine you know and people aren't using it just to you know get their kicks off which i love too you know yeah. i'm all for that as well but it's nice that people are actually utilizing it for uh you know to benefit their life and yeah. like, you know make a you know stay away from the pharmaceuticals <laughs> yeah yeah because, I mean, that's the thing, like, uh, I always, a good friend of ours, uh, Eric, you know, he always says that, like, when he would get high, he's got terrible back pain. When he would get high, it would change the pain. So yeah. he still felt what it was, but it wasn't pain anymore. Right. And, right. like, I really identified with that. And that's what, like, I know I have family members that have benefited from yeah. the medicine, like, beyond what I would comprehend and like what i i guess i was just naive in yeah i always believed it was medicine but a part of me was like yeah, i'm getting high yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now like i have joint pain like cbd helps me immensely yeah. it's just i can't afford the dose that <laughs> helps yeah. me because yeah. of 
where we are as a society still, yeah. even though we're getting better. Yeah. Well, shoot, you know, I didn't bring any with me, but I've been making the uh, salves and tinctures. CBD yeah, yeah, salves yeah. and CBD tinctures. I don't know if I would show you last You were year. telling me about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I got to get you. I got to hook you up with some, you know. But me being a hockey player from when I was younger and got all sorts of, kind of a, I just got over a uh, torn meniscus. And, Oof. man, uh, just that little bit of salve just works, just does wonders, yeah. you know. And I could take, you know, Advils and stuff. And, I mean, they, 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 they help from time to time. But just yeah. like that. Just that salve, just like it's a crazy thing. Who would yeah. have thought that, you know, who would say you rub your weed on your body? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was like one of the first things my dad tried. And he was like, oh, all right, I guess I'm, I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But yeah, yeah like it's, I, I'm a big proponent of if you can, if you can use it, because like, you know, opiates fucking ruining everything. Oh my god! And and I don't think there's any other effective pain management other than yoga and weed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Totally moving and then slowing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, going back to like you know things coming out of the dirt. I know there's a lot of stuff going on with like psilocybin and stuff too, with people that are having that are trying to get off of those opiates yeah, and stuff, yeah. and other also soldiers and stuff with PTSD. Yeah. So um, I really, I'm really excited that we're in this time period in our you know society that we're going back to the earth. You know, we're yeah, really yeah. rediscovering you know the benefits that are coming out of the ground for <laughs> us. <laughs> well, I think uh, like a big part of it is realizing that like maybe. You know, like, if we take care of Mother Nature, Mother Nature will take care of Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And, like, yeah. you know, it's not just global warming that that is talking yeah. about. It, yeah, it's yeah. so much more. Because, like, I, I, don't, I don't think there is a uh, omnipotent power, but I believe there are a million little powers that are yeah. all in harmony. Yeah. And yeah. like, it's, I think if we can tune into that. <laughs> yeah. Just like the yeah. microbes in the soil, they all got to work together yeah. in order to make <laughs> <Yeah>. this thing <laughs> grow. <laughs> yeah. And maybe the best solution is right under our feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's this great documentary. Um, I, I'll plug it, I guess, real quick. It's called Fantastic Fun Guy. And it's uh, it's on Netflix now. It's been out for for you know three, four, or five years now. Maybe I don't know. Maybe three years. I don't, I don't remember rightly. But um, great documentary. It really goes dives into you know mycelium and the importance it plays in our lives. And uh, there's a guy Paul Stamets who you know he's pretty popular now. He was on you know a bunch of different podcasts and you know he's been putting himself out there. He has I think a bunch he's of Ted Rogan. Yeah. yeah, yep, 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 yep. He, he's a, he's on that guy's stuff and he also does uh, a lot of TED talks. He has a lot of TED talk things and that guy's just a he's just a great person to listen to or just absorb information from because he yeah. really got it dialed in. And uh, yeah, there's just some. I mean, mushrooms play an integral role in our existence and one of the things i find interesting is it's the oldest species on the planet and it's also the most dominant species on the planet it's it's everywhere it's you know (laughs) all it's everywhere so including and yeah exactly that's one of the things they realize is that it's not just the bacteria that there's actual fungus in, in our gut and we need to really take care of that in order to solve a lot of gut problems yeah yeah so uh uh, we got to make it to a devil's game. Yeah. Okay. 
anything you want to plug or <laughs> no i mean yeah i guess plug weed you know smoke <laughs> weed you know and I, I think it's a really important that um you know if people do the research themselves and you know grow for your own do it by yourself you know you can do it and there's nothing like growing a plant seeing it sprout and come up to become yeah. like you know your medicine yeah it's a it's a great thing so all right and thank you so much for yeah thanks to him love this. you dude for love great you to too, have you. Man. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh Subscribe, like, whatever. Uh, play us out, Tim. Tim's kind of dumb. Let's help him get smart. It's time to teach Tim stuff. <laughs>